Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in week after week. Uh, we are trending on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts because of you. And I can't thank you guys enough. It's just my gratitude is so full. I, I wish I could give each one of you a hug right now. It's just amazing to me. But it's not because of me. And I think the reason why this has been so successful is because it's not about me. It's about these amazing people that come on the show and today's going to be no different. Today we're joined by Randy Neal. Randy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, you guys are going to be blown away at Randy's story. She's an amazing individual. Um, I do need to give a shout out before we get started to our sponsors. Uh, Siegfried & Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Thread Wallets, uh, Living Recovery Interventions, and Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics. And the music that you heard at the beginning of this show and at the end is by my good friend Paul Cardall. Um, he's one of the most amazing pianists and musicians you'll ever meet. And uh, I'm just grateful that he's willing to allow us to use some of his music. So again, this is a this show is amazing because of the amazing people that are involved. So, um, But yeah, you guys are going to be blown away by Randy. Uh, she's got a story of overcoming addiction. Um, she at one point was arrested for selling drugs. Um, she had, she was struggling with meth for over five years. She's a two times felon. <laughs> she was homeless for two years. I mean, if, seriously guys, when you, if you saw her, you would never guess this in a million years. Um, she always thought that uh, maybe she might end her, end her life every single day. Um, but she's also was an honor student. She has tons of friends. Uh, she was a dancer. Yeah. Right? Is that yeah, correct? Absolutely. She yeah. also graduated from Weber State with her bachelor's on professional sales. Um, you're a magna cum laude? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she has a very supportive mom, grandma, grandpa who loved her. You know, uh, she's uh, got two amazing kids. She uh, wants to be a future trauma and recovery coach, which she's getting ready to do that. She's also a mental health advocate. The list goes on. Yeah. But we want to hear more from you, Randy. Yeah. Thank you so much again for tuning in and for being here with us today. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why don't we start, Randy? Tell us where you grew up and maybe just a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in Utah. Okay. Um, grew up in Ogden. Um, my... My dad was never really in the picture. Okay. He was kind of, uh, you know, from my recollection or my memory, mm -hmm. he was in and out of prison or jail quite often. Um, my mom had me when she was in high school. Okay. Um, and then she, she ended up getting remarried. Um, and he was kind of really the only like real father that I knew. Mm. Um, okay. but <laughs> I'll say, but, um, he actually, so he's my stepdad. He actually like sexually abused me for, oh, wow. um, like I think it was like six or seven, eight, nine and 10 years of age. And so that for me, I think was kind of where the, the trauma yeah. really started. Um, did, if you don't mind me asking, did, did people, did family, other members know that this was happening or is this all no, yeah. behind so the scenes and nobody, no one knew? Nobody knew. I mean, I think part of, you know, sexual abuse comes, you know, I, I was threatened. Like, yeah. you know, my mom's, my mom was pregnant with my little brother at the time. Okay. And um, when she actually had my little brother, you know, he would threaten his life or my mom's yeah, life or, wow. you know, it, it was, it came with like this burden of, you know, if I spoke up, what was going to happen, Something bad's you know? Gonna happen yeah. Worse. And, and it, yeah. And it's seven, eight, nine, like, you don't know, you don't like, know. Yeah. You're you, a kid. You don't know any better. Like yeah. I just thought, you know, if I, if I had said something that, you know, who knows what would happen. Right. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, when I was um, 10 years old and I had kind of finally had enough, I guess, I'd reached mm -hmm. a breaking point and I told my mother about the abuse and he, 
he was gone immediately. You know, yeah. he was, we had to go through that whole process of, wow, yeah. you know, um, he was, con- he was a convicted sex offender and, um, I went through therapy and, um, after that, I want to say maybe 30 days after I actually told my mom about the abuse, my real dad actually died. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, which, you know, they say that they, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I, I genuinely believe that he, he passed for, you know, for a reason. Um, what reason? I don't know. I, I do know that yeah. my dad was, um, how do you say it? Like he probably wouldn't have made the best choices, you know, yeah. knowing that what he had done to his little girl. Yeah. Um, and it could have led to my little brother growing up without a dad himself, you know, yeah, like, right. So we just, I just don't know. But, um, so he passed away. Um, and, and you're 10 at this time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how did you handle all that? I mean, was, was it kind of, were you numb to it at the time or were you really sad? Yeah. I think that, um, I was, pretty numb okay. to it. Um, yeah, which is understandable. Yeah. So yeah. part of like the, the recovery or like the, the process of kind of handling that is, you know, I was court ordered to go to therapy and, you mm-hmm. know, all of these things and, and go through these programs and I did them right. You know, at 10 years old, I, I went to therapy, but yeah. I'd always had this mindset when I was younger of like, how can, I go to therapy and talk to somebody that's never actually been through what I've been through. Yeah. Like how can you yeah. relate to what I've, what I, what I'm, how I'm mm-hmm. feeling or how can you give me advice on what I should be doing or how, how yeah. it's going to get better when, <laughs> when you haven't been there, you know? Yeah. And so I remember my mom when I was talking to her about kind of like my goals with, with we, we rise was she goes, Randy, I don't know if you remember telling me this when you were, just graduating your therapy, you know, after the abuse. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Like, I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> and she's like, I looked at you and I said, did, do you feel better? Don't you feel so much better now? You know, you're, you're graduating this program. Yeah. You've completed this therapy. Like, and I looked at my mom and I said, I told them what they wanted to hear because how can anybody that hasn't experienced what I've experienced give me any advice. Wow. You know, and, and that was me at 10 years old. At 10, yeah. you're thinking that way. I'm yeah. thinking that way. Like you can't, like you're going to prescribe me something clinically from a book. Like, but have you experienced that? So, um, Man. so that was, that was my childhood, you know? Um, so a rough childhood. I mean, yeah. you know, and again, seeing you sit here, yeah. you know, just this, what you know this beautiful light shining from you, oh, thank you would never know that that's what you've been through yeah. again that's probably why you came up with we rise yeah you know what i mean yeah so you mentioned that just a little bit explain what that is we're going to get back to the story but you mentioned yeah. we rise i don't want to forget that we know we yeah to talk so, about that so essentially my my goal for we rise is step one is to become a trauma coach and yeah. um a lot of the conversations that I've had with people over the last, you know, year and a half or so just basically comes down to the fact that they feel comfortable talking to somebody that has lived a similar experience or has overcome, you know, whether it was addiction or sexual abuse or, you know, um, even just divorce, you know, those types of, of traumas, you know, trauma for, for everybody is, is different, right? Like there's so many different types of trauma. I think that, even just being isolated with COVID, that is a, yeah. is a level of trauma for, sure, know, for yeah. people's mental health. For a but, lot of people, yeah. Um, and so basically my my inevitable goal for We Rise is to be able to have a, um, whether it's like a platform or some type of website that houses therapists or coaches that lead with their stories. Okay. Um, lead with what they've overcome and the trauma that they've had to, you know, deal with in their life so that somebody that is either going through a similar trauma yeah. or has already experienced that trauma and is still kind of working through that can look to this basically um book of therapists and say, 
I'm going to pick Randy because she's also been sexually abused or, you know, I'm going to pick Todd because he was also, you know, a recovering addict or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, So just kind of to flip it a little bit that way. That's the goal. So No, I love that. And it's, you know, we were talking about this before we went live on air here is, you know, owning your story. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's, I think that does place the person who's coming to see you at ease a little bit like, okay, this person's been through it. They've made it through it. Here they are now helping me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to listen to you now because yeah. of what you've been through and I'm going to take every word you're saying and I'm going to do it kind of right. thing. Is that you right? You know what's so crazy? Yeah. And now that you say that back to me is my mom used to say, learn from my experiences. Like, mm. let me tell you yeah. that I've been through that. this, right? Like I, you know, um, and I, I would tell my mom all the time, I'm not that person. I have to go through it myself to, yeah. you know, to be able to do that. But now that I'm thinking, I'm like, those were very wise words. Yeah. <laughs> learn, very from wise. My, learn from my experience. Learn from my story. Um, and I don't know if maybe just back then it was, you know, not as accepted maybe. Yeah. For, but yeah. Yeah. I think back then we didn't talk about it so much. And no. it's almost like, don't. Don't talk about that. Just yeah. keep it down. I know. You know, yeah. and that's why I love where we're at today is more people are talking about it. That's why we need more people like you, Randy, who are out there saying, hey, here's what I've been through. I want to give back now and help someone who's been through it as well. Yeah. So that's not your full story, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, you've been through a lot. So you go through all of this around yep. age 10, yep. you know, as you get older. When did you get introduced with drugs and alcohol and things like that? Yeah. So after 10, I was always a good student, always, you know, always behaved. My mom yeah. called me the perfect child <laughs> because I just, yeah. I did all my homework. I, mm-hmm. you know, we never had any issues. Like her and I were best friends, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I was on the drill team in high school and I actually had a connection to somebody that was on the Utah jazz dancer team. And, oh, okay. um, I basically was, you know, told like, hey, you know what, you keep doing this and you, you keep going, you'll have a spot on the jazz dancer team. Like, mm-hmm. and my goal, like my dream when I was young was to be a choreographer. I love to dance. I was a dancer from the age of three till, you know, till right. forever. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but my, I believe it was my junior year in high school, I actually got kicked off the drill team for... A scenario that inevitably, you know, the school looked back on and said that I shouldn't have been kicked off for, you know, like, but it came down to the fact that the coach obviously really didn't want me on the team for whatever reason, you know, growing up in, in like the North Ogden area, um, back, you know, back in those days, it's heavy, heavy religion. My mom was a single mom, you know, I was not the standard you know, you were, you were different. I was, yeah, I was the oddballer. Yeah. I was the, yeah. And, um, so, so anyhow, I was, I made the decision that I wasn't going to go back onto the team because, you know, it, it's when you get kicked off and you go through that whole process and then it's like the team, it's like, you're not a part of that team yeah. anymore. Yeah. And then to bring you back to the team, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe I could have made a different choice then. I don't know, but, um, then it just, my mind spiraled and I thought that everything that I'd worked for, you know, the, the jazz team, all of that choreography was gone. You know, I, at, at, I believe I was 16. Okay. And then that correlates to, (laughs) I stopped dancing. I think I'm gaining weight, which mm. at 16, I w- definitely was not. But um, going out partying and I was drinking more. Um, and then I got introduced to meth because mm. I saw this girl at a party and yeah. she, they had everybody there had talked about how she just lost all this weight and, you know, showed us pictures of, you know, how she was before and then all this weight that she had lost and, where I was at in my mind was, well, what are you doing? I want to try that. Yeah, you know? how'd you and lose all that weight? How'd you right? lose all that weight? And, yeah. Uh, so then she introduced me to meth, and I started using on the weekends, and then 
the weekends turned or every other weekend turned into every weekend Mm. turned into every day and then you know I started to get into I mean I could pull my youth criminal history there's a plethora of charges there also you know um I was in a proctor care I had to do a youth drug court program Mm -hmm. um I had to do an all-girls uh rehab facility program Uh, youth all of this this is all before 18 this is all before 18 yeah yeah. so I didn't even I graduated but barely and the only reason that I graduated high school is because my mom went to the school and said hey what does she need to do? Give me these packets, and she brought them to me in the in the rehab facility, okay. and let me finish and let them you finish there. Them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so wow. I got my diploma, but I didn't walk with my class or anything. I, I want to just pause for a second. This is powerful um, because I want to point this out to whoever's listening to this, especially young women who are mm-hmm. listening to this right now. It was so important that you didn't want to gain weight or you yeah. wanted to lose weight. That was the catalyst. That was the key thing. Yeah. And that you were willing to try anything. Yep. Including yeah. meth. Yeah. Which is poison. Oh, yeah. Of course. To, to And I, I know you know this, but it's like, I just want to point this out. How important it is that we help kids love who they are and where they're at. Love their bodies wherever it's at. Right. Does that make yeah. sense? And yeah. if yeah, if we need to lose a little weight because we maybe we've been eating too much is doing it in a natural and a healthier way. Right. But the pressure yeah. of for and again, I'm not a girl obviously, but you yeah. the pressure I have three girls yeah. of my own, the pressure of them being skinny and looking a certain way, I mean, that pressure is real. Yeah. Well and I think that back then, you know, this is what, four fifteen yeah. years ago. Uh huh. Um Social media wasn't even as big as it is now. Yeah. You and throw so that in there. the pressure, I can only imagine. I mean, yeah. I know I, I experience it still to, to this day right. for myself. Yeah. You know, you get on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok mm-hmm. and you see these women that are just, you know, in immaculate shape or, you know, what what you, they they deem to, to be what looks good. Yeah. And you, you, you want to do that or you strive to do that or then you start to like get this idea in your head of what your body should look like and if it doesn't look like that then yeah. you know you're yeah it's yeah and it's it's, it's how powerful in a negative way that can be right which opened up this door to meth for you yep now that doesn't mean you would have maybe gotten in trouble because in other ways because you right. were drinking already yeah. and mm-hmm. but i mean it led to rehabs and arrests and you oh, know, yeah. criminal behavior and all this stuff, all based off of, yeah. I want to make sure I lose some weight. Right. Well, wow. my, so my dad was into drugs. Okay. Um, my mom had also messed around with drugs, but never, hers was never like, it never became anything, right? Like she yeah. dabbled in it or tried it or whatever. Um, but for my dad, on my dad's side, like addiction was prevalent in his life and so I think that for me I believe you know addiction is a disease and you know if your parents are more apt or have struggled with an addiction that you're much more likely to also and so I felt like you know for me (laughs) again for me the once I tried it and I felt that feeling that was all she wrote for me. Yeah. You know, it was yeah, a, it was a fast, yeah. it was a fast downhill plummet from yeah. there. So, wow. So you do this for the next five years, meth. Mm-hmm. And now you're, now you're older than 18, correct? Yep. Now you're what, how old are you before you stopped? Um, like 21, 23, 23. I think okay. is when I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. So still getting arrested, still going through all this, correct? I spent three of my birthdays after I was 18 in Weber County Jail. Really? Yeah. Again, I'm not surprised in the sense that that's what drugs do to people. Yeah. Like like I said, looks, you can't judge people by looks. But again, just the way you carry yourself, you no one ever think, she was a meth addict, right? Yeah. But... That's why drugs are so bad because you did right. things you never would normally do. You no. would, you, you didn't set out to, I want to get arrested and go to jail. I hope I can do that. That's not why you 
No. Right? No. It's just amazing what drugs can do to our what how we behave and things like that. Yeah, drugs definitely don't discriminate. They, they don't. don't. They don't care who you are. Yeah. How much money you have, what job you have, uh, like what skin color you are. Yeah. They, they don't care. Yeah. You you taste them and that's so That's when you, when you're sitting in jail, let's say for the yeah. last time that you maybe didn't realize it was the last time, are you telling yourself while you're in jail, are you going, I've got to stop this, or were you like, get me out of here so I can go use? I mean, what oh, was your every, mindset? Every single time I went to jail, I said, I've got to stop this. Every okay. single time. Yeah. It's like you know, you, the 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 per the Randy that was high on drugs and you know on the streets sleeping outside i mean you know i i've lived through you know being uh raped on drugs mm. i've um been held at gunpoint multiple times wow. i was actually held yeah. hostage for i think it was I, I i can't remember specifically how many days but i remember being in this i can drive wow. by the house in ogden still and and it's still there, yeah. but this little back room and it was just days that I was locked in there. And Serious. yeah, I, I, oh, I thought I was going to die. Like I had no energy and it was, you know, a man who was mm -hmm. really possessive at the oh, time. Yeah. And, wow. um, he, I remember him coming in and I thought I was going to die. He had picked me up by my throat and was holding me up against the wall and I was I was in my mind I was like okay this is it this is you're gonna die like you you are going to die oh and I don't know what came over me I really right. don't <laughs> but I mean I was 98 pounds maybe soaking wet yeah. I, I look like a brat doll you know big oh old head God. and tiny little body <laughs> right. so my mom said yeah, yeah. and Jeez. um something came over me and I don't know I, I had this surge and I pushed him and or kicked him or or whatever mm -hmm. and he had fallen he was a big guy he was like you know over six six foot yeah and he, he had fallen onto this door that was on the back mm -hmm. that was locked but he'd broken the door and so the door opened and I took off running out there the cops show up and um I mean I'm barefoot I have nothing you know and they're like well there's not much we can do for you and I'm like, are you serious? You're like, I've just been held I know. captive. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when I guess you fit the description and yeah. it's this, you know, there's really not a whole lot that they could do because it comes down to a he said, she said, yeah. he's on drugs, she's on drugs. Like, mm. what really happened, what you really know? Happened? Yeah, but, she's, I mean, my goodness. So it's like, wow. there's, you know... <laughs> Every single time I went to jail, I thought, you've got to stop this. This isn't you. Like, you're you're better than this. This isn't who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you get out and you talk to the same people again or you have that one text yep. and it just pulls you back pulls in. Pulls you right back in, yeah. And so, I mean, I was, th the final time that I was in jail, and it, this was when I was in there on felony on felony. So the first felony I had was drug possession with intent to distribute. And my grandparents bailed me out and I was living with them. And then I got busted for check forgery. And um, wow. I went to jail then and I was in, in, in Utah felony on felony, there's no bail. So I was in there for a while. And then, you know, I, I get out on probation and I'm messing up on probation. Um, yeah. And then the final time that I got arrested, I shoplifted from Shopco, which was used to be on 12th Street, but now mm. it's a different store. And it was the day, I think it was the day after Mother's Day. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself, this is it. I'm going to prison. I'm done. I've, I've messed up yeah. so many times on probation. They've given yeah. me so many tries. And so I'm in jail and my probation officer had said to me, you know, you're going to an all girls rehab facility. We're sending you there. That, mm -hmm. This is your last straw. If it doesn't work, it. then you're done. And this is right when the state lost a bunch of funding. So they went from a five day work week to a four day work week. Oh, okay. 
and a lot of programs, the funding got pulled. Yeah. And so then he had, he'd informed me that you don't get to go to the program anymore. So now you get to go to prison. And I know I like my, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to prison. I can't do that. Yeah. And (laughs) I know, I know, I I was like, (laughs) (laughs) um, okay. And he goes, the only other option that you have, Randy, is if you pay for your own, you, you do research, you find a rehab facility, you pay for it and you complete it. And then that's your only option. Yeah. So I found this program called Clinical Consultants, and they're actually still in Ogden. Okay. Um, and I paid for my own rehab, mm. and I got sober, and that was it. And I don't, I don't know if it was the idea that like I'd been in and out of jail for yeah. so many years, and yeah. I was just so tired, and all of the things that I had done and been through, and I was just like prison prison it is that sound of prison i know i was like i can't i can't do that and you know when you're doing drugs you you deal with a lot of people that have been in and out of prison you know and so you hear stories all the time Mm -hmm. and i knew (laughs) it in my mind you randy you go to prison and there's no turning there's no turning back like i i don't the likelihood of, you know, people getting, pulling their life together after prison, not saying that, that it's not possible at right. all. Cause I, I know people that, yeah, that right. definitely do. Yep. Um, but it's like, do I want to go down that road? Yeah. No, I didn't. Mm. So I think that in that moment, that was the first time that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this for me. Yeah. You know, every time, every other time I had to go to rehab, or do a program or do court ordered therapy or whatever it was. I was doing it because I was told yep. I had to do yeah. it. You know, you have to do this. Okay, whatever, I'll do it. Yeah, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. Yep. Going through but the motions. It wasn't until I made the decision to do it for me that I actually yeah. did it, gave it my all and, and got sober. So yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine the sound of prison was like, wow. Yeah. This is what my life has led up to. Right. To this point. And yeah, how lucky you didn't end up going to prison, like you just mentioned. But yeah, who knows what would have happened, right? If had you had gone. Yeah. If you just gotten that mindset, well, this is who I am at this point. Nothing's going to change. Right. I think that's what happens. I've I've actually had the opportunity to speak at prison and, and talk to a lot of people who've been through it. And they do. They get in this mindset of, uh, my life got me to this point. I this is, I guess, just who I am. So they buy into that belief system. Yep. And therefore, their behavior just keeps mirroring it. Yeah, they and just accept it. They just accept it, and then they keep doing behaviors that back that up. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, you kind of woke up and said, "No, okay, I'm going to do something different here. Yeah. And I'm going to turn my life around. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then from there, I. Uh, enrolled myself into, you know, Weber State, and I went back to college. I um, I actually attended Weber State full-time while I was pregnant with my son. Oh, man. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> I would, yeah, and then I would serve and bartend, you know, um, at night after school, you know, taking him to the daycare up at Weber State. You know, they have this little campus yeah. where they have, like, a little daycare there. They could help you out, which yep. is good, right? Mm-hmm. It allows you to go to school. Yep, and then... Um, you know, sober in that mindset of like not doing drugs, but I still drank, you mm-hmm. know, um, on occasion and it was never ideal right? and never an ideal scenario. Yeah. My son's dad actually, um, I had to leave that relationship because his okay. drinking got really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and then actually, you know, uh, like my son was three and my son's dad actually, you know, pressed charges against me for child abuse because mm. my son came to his house with a bruise on his arm. Mind you, my, my son's dad is deep in addiction at this yeah, point, you right. know, using drugs, um, mm-hmm. taking pills and, um, 
he was privy to the whole scenario that happened with my son, you know, of yeah. what the, what the bruise on his arm came from. And I was fully transparent with him about it. When yeah. I dropped him off, I said, you know, I think the bruise came from me. I must've grabbed him a little too hard, you know, mm-hmm. not my intention at all. Yeah. But you know, him and his wife had both were in pretty deep addiction with mm-hmm. pills and, yeah. Um, had asked me to drop child support multiple times and I guess saw this as an opportunity to try and get full custody of him um, and to have me pay them child support. And so okay, that was, in all honesty, probably one of the darkest times of my life, you know, yeah. having to go through um, the idea or possibility of somebody saying that my kid will be taken from me, you know? Yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, but inevitably, you know, I, I just pled guilty to the charge. They dropped it to a class C misdemeanor, which just said that I unintentionally, you know, Mm -hmm. put a bruise on my son, which I, I definitely did, you know? Yeah. And, um, we had, I, we had 50, 50 custody and over about maybe a year he stopped showing up. And then he hasn't been around for seven years. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know. Um, so it worked out for the best for your child, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Well, and I love how just how honest you are right now and authentic yeah. about the situation. Oh, yeah. I think that's why you're doing so damn good right now. Because, <laughs> because again, you pr- this is what you're learning. Because yeah. before you were probably lying and manipulating you yeah. know, in your addiction and but now you've just learned to just own your actions, own your story, so yeah. to speak. Is that accurate? Yeah. So I think that probably, you know, when I decided to fully get sober, which was about 18 months ago, I... Congratulations, by the you. way. Thank you. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I, I got married, um, had my daughter, okay. um, and then got... I was with him for about seven years, six or okay. seven years, and then... Um, got divorced after my divorce I plummeted into this drinking you know of Mm -hmm. depression and um then COVID hit and we were isolated and I'm a single mom with two little kids and I working from home and all the stress of it all again my drinking got really bad and I I remember the last time that I drank I don't remember how I got where I was, mm-hmm. but I had drank probably a half a bottle of Sailor Jerry to myself oh, man. and drove to my wow. boyfriend's or ex-boyfriend's house uh-huh. at the time. Again, I had on no pants, no shoes, and I don't remember don't even, even remember getting it. there. No. And Jeez. in my mind, when I woke up the next day, and I, I mean, granted, I'm hungover and I'm still recovering, yeah. but I'm mm-hmm. just like what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. You have two little kids at home that are dependent on you solely. Mm -hmm. Like my, my ex-husband doesn't pay for child support. You Mm -hmm. know, I, um, my son's dad hasn't been in the picture for years. I do it all by myself. You know, sure. Um, what, like you could have died. You could have killed somebody. You could have been arrested. You could have like, there's just so many what if scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like, Somebody was watching over you. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not drinking anymore. I can't do it. I I cannot be the person that has one drink and just is okay. Right. I yeah. I don't know my limits. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to put my kids, I have to put my, like they're, they depend on me. Their well-being yeah. first. I remember when I was on drugs you know, 15 years ago or 14 years ago. And I would see moms that had children that were using drugs. Yeah. I remember it. And it crushed me all the time to see the neglect, to see the, you know, the abuse or the just, and I remember telling myself I would never be that mom. I would never be that mom that puts a substance or addiction or, does that and neglects my responsibility to my children, yeah, you know, because it happens well, a lot. Yeah, all, yeah. And I don't know if it was just in that moment because I mean, the drinking for me over the years has, has been a problem. 
had yeah. been a problem a yeah, lot. Right. Um, lost friendships mm-hmm. in my marriage, all kinds of scenarios. I don't know what it was about the scenario that like it just clicked for me. And I was like, I've got to be done. Like I can't, yeah. you know, I can't, I'm not that mom. I'm better than this. And I stopped drinking. And I think that once I made that choice, I started posting about my sobriety on social media, just just really for myself to hold myself accountable. And also because I knew that like people would be, people would message me (laughs) and they'd say like, you know, you still sober? How's it going? Yeah. Like checking in on me, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and yeah. when, when you're in COVID or kind of the tail end of COVID and, yeah. you know, just things are opening back up, you know, still we weren't really hanging out with people all the time or right. going to all these places. So it was kind of like my accountability. And then I started to become a little bit more vulnerable in, in sharing in my story, yeah. seeing a lot more people struggling with the same things um, also when I was interviewing for new jobs after, you know, um, graduating the, f- some of the things they would say is, oh, we're, we're definitely going to give you an offer, but we just need to run a background check. And so <laughs> you're like, oh boy, I'm like, oh shit. That's Hope you I have I enough said. paper in that printer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that the combination of, you know, me being comfortable with owning my story. Yeah. I would tell them, you know, you're going to run a background check and this is what you're going to find out. So I would always get in front of it before. Just own it. I just owned it. Yeah. Yeah. I owned it then. And then when I actually started to get sober and be a little bit more vulnerable that way, Mm -hmm. I just felt like, how can anybody really genuinely get close to me or be my friend or understand who I am if they don't understand all of it? Exactly. You know, like yeah. you've, you've got to understand maybe why I am the way that I am in certain aspects of my life yep. because of the things that I've been through. Mm-hmm. And if I shelter that and I don't share that with people, it doesn't allow them to actually get to know me and who I am and what makes me me. So, right. yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. You know, as I'm listening to your story and I'm just kind of blown away, honestly, you know, going back to when you were 10, going through what you went through with uh, being abused and then losing your your biological dad who passed away, yeah. and then you know going to see someone to help you, a therapist or a counselor, and you're like having that feeling right then. This person has no idea because they've never been through what I've been through. Yeah. But think about this. I always say this to my clients: life yeah. happens for us, right? I say that all the time. People are like, "Really?" But you look about it. You went through all that. You had this epiphany at, as a ten year old, and here you are today. I know. Owning your story. And now you want to put together, you know, become this trauma and recovery coach. Yep. Be, and then have this set up to where you're helping other people lead with their story. So the person that they're helping will go, okay, I know what they've been through. Yeah. So think about that. Had you not gone through that scenario, I know. you wouldn't be doing what I you're doing today. I probably wouldn't. No. I don't think you would. Yeah. And I've, I've that always. just blows my mind. I know. I've always told my. <laughs> I've always told my grandma or my mom or even, you know, just people close to me, like I've always felt like my life was meant for more than, you know, than just a nine to five job or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. However, um, it's like, you know, they say like how much I I know that God must say that I'm really strong because (laughs) he just keeps on, keeps giving me challenges, you know, challenge after challenge. But it's like, I feel I've always felt like, my purpose was meant like that the trauma that I've lived through my story, all of the things that I've been able to overcome have been for a reason, you know, been for a a bigger purpose than, than just for me to like, you know, be able to overcome them or work through them to be able to inevitably share that with people to be able to give that ability and those tools to other people, yeah. you know, however, yeah, however that plays out. But well, and because you've been vulnerable in sharing your story, you know, that's how my we were talking about this. My daughter saw you put a post on LinkedIn, yeah, and you were really vulnerable in this post yeah. about your past and yeah. what you've been going through. And my daughter sends this to me and says, "Dad, you got to get this woman on your podcast." <laughs> so I read, you know, I read the post. I'm like, "Holy crap, this woman." 
who is this woman, right? Yeah. I was blown away by your vulnerability yeah. and how you just, again, owned it. Yep. And I reached out to you and thankfully you responded. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are sitting here today. And again, again, life happens for us. And now you're going to be speaking to 350,000 people That's who are going to hear your story. Yeah. But they'll also relate and because maybe there's people listening who haven't been abused sexually, but they know what it feels like to feel lonely and yeah. lost and dark and feels, you know, no one believes in me and that kind of thing. And yeah. so your words, you know, are, are yeah. going to make a huge impact on so many people uh, by thing, sharing this today, you know? Yeah. The thing <laughs> that um, I think, you know, nobody, I have to make the decision, you have to make the decision to to want the change or to want to do something different for Mm -hmm. a lot of years i i sat in my victim mentality right you know of i'm i'm abused and i i have all this trauma and you know i'm just my life is miserable and horrible and i i lived there for years you know drinking drugs a lot of it um and it wasn't until I decided that, you know, I'm tired of being this yeah, way. I got to right. make a change. And the only person that was, could make the change was me. You know, yeah. I, I lived in low income housing, you know, I was on food stamps and Medicaid for a lot of Gosh. years. I had to, I had that. I knew that that was the only way that I could do it. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to go to school. I applied for grants. I applied for student loans. I did what, you know, it, instead of asking for help and mm-hmm. you know granted i i did ask schools for help or sure, whatnot right. but it was i did it yeah you put in the work to make that happen because yeah. that's not easy to apply for all that stuff that takes no. work oh, effort yeah. right <laughs> yeah and getting denied many times because there's <laughs> yeah. one box that's unchecked yeah, or you're like, you know yeah. you know one part of your paper that that wasn't filled out properly you know but wow. man yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I noticed a, a tattoo on your hand. Oh, yeah. It says, uh, beauty is found within. Yeah. Why did you put that on there? So my sleeve is actually, I'll Yeah, show let's you. see. Yeah, I'd love to. It's a Disney sleeve. Oh, wow. So That's it's beautiful. all Disney. So, <laughs> so I have the Lady and the Tramp, and the Lady and the Tramp was a... A gift that I had gotten from my father, my biological mm, dad, okay. when he was in prison. Okay. And it actually had the date that I was born. And um, it said, I love you. And when he passed, I wanted to get something to represent sure, him. Yeah, right. And so I got the lady in the tramp with the date that he passed. Okay. And I love you. Oh, and wow. then it just trickled down into um, my favorite Disney movies. And yeah, I love it. The, the Disney <laughs> movies that are my favorite are the ones that are, you know, based on actual like um, love stories. Yeah. It's not just like Cinderella, who's she's yeah. the main one. So it's um, Aladdin and Jasmine, Jasmine, yes. um, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and so each of these quotes are just quotes from the movie that yeah. I um, that I found. You're the one I've been looking for. Yep. <laughs> Wow. And then this says, you're, you're only a fool if you give up. Um, Dang. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. It Thank looks you. amazing. <laughs> Seriously, whoever did the work there obviously did an amazing job because they look exactly like the characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's Scott at Heavy Duty Tattoo. Okay. A little shout out to Scott. <laughs> Good job, Scott, man. You yeah. do amazing work. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You know, um, God, there's so many things I want to ask you, but uh, if there... If there's someone listening to your voice right now who's struggling, they're in a dark place. They're in the place you've been before. Mm-hmm. You've obviously shared some amazing things about your story already, but what that one person listening right now who's struggling, what would you tell them in this moment? What's the one thing you could maybe tell them that would help them? Wow, that's... I know it's a big question. That's a big question. Yeah. Um, because I promise you there's someone listening right now who's yeah. struggling. They're struggling. You know, I think that a lot of people when when they're struggling, they you would say, you know, it gets better and I don't I don't I hated that. Yeah. I hated that when people would say It's gonna get better. Oh, I yeah. promise it'll get better. Yeah. Um, that. 
the truth is it's probably going to get a little wor- a little bit tougher before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, if, when I was struggling really, Something that, you know, probably would have been helpful to hear is that you own your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Goodness. Your life is, is meant for more, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's such a hard question to think. If something I could say to somebody. Well, I think when you say even just that is life, your life was meant for more. Think about you. You weren't born to be a drug addict. You weren't born to be in prison. No. That's not why you're here. No. Right? Ultimately. And I think that's what you're saying is whoever is listening to this right now struggling, no matter you are struggling, but you, it's because I really believe, I I say this all the time, addiction is the wake-up call to your greatness. Yeah. Think, look what you're doing now. This is yeah. your greatness, Randy. Yeah. This is you. And you got so much more you're going to do yeah. with everything that you've got planned. But it's waking you up to this greatness that's in you. Yeah. So maybe anyone listening to this is you were meant for more. In other words, this is preparing you for the greatness that you're going to yeah. share with the world. Yeah. I always, um, I just lost what I was going to say. But, um, yeah, I lost what I was going to say. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, um, so you got some future plans here. Obviously, you're going to be a trauma and recovery coach. Like you, we said earlier, you're a mental health advocate. You've got the company We Rise. Yeah. Um, I love that you're wanting to give back. I think that's the beautiful thing. And more importantly, the vulnerability you've shown over the last 18 months and yeah. sharing your story. I mean, it inspired me. Yeah. I mean, I don't just reach out to anybody. No, you yeah. Know, I really don't. I remember what I was going to say. Okay, good. Okay. Please. So what I was going <laughs> to what I was going to say was that, you know, I at my lowest, I had thought that, you know, people would say, "Oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better." Yeah. When in reality, like when I chose, I had to choose me. I had to choose my life. I had mm-hmm. to choose to do better. I had to make the choice, right. Yeah. That like, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to allow this to control my life anymore. Yeah. Um, one of the times for me, I called my abuser and talked to him in years, mm. asked to meet with him and wow. I forgave him. Really? And I, I forgave him because, and he, he, he in of himself was shocked, but I said, listen, I'm not forgiving you for you. I'm forgiving you for me mm. because I cannot carry this weight anymore. Yeah. It was, I was just so angry all the time. And I was just so upset, but I thought that, you know, when I chose me and I chose my life, yeah. that mm-hmm. things were just going to immediately get better. Right. Like I was just going to be like when I got sober, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get sober. My life's just going to get better. When in reality, I just had to, f- face everything, all the emotions, all of the trauma. I had to actually face it and work through it. And yeah. I had to put in the work to get better. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you have to choose yourself. You have to choose you and you, you ha- but you also have to understand that by doing so that comes with work, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but that inevitably, <laughs> like I hate that that's saying, Oh, it gets better. But inevitably <laughs> yeah. it does because yeah. you're like forced to have to work through it, you know, but yeah. then you have tools and, um, yeah. So that's what I was going to say. No, thanks for sharing <laughs> that. No, that's really powerful. And the power of forgiveness, you're right. It's not necessarily for the other person. It's for you. It's to yeah. set yourself free. Yeah. You know, and wow, you really are an inspiration. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, Randy, you're, Thank you're amazing. You. And honestly, you're, you have this beautiful light coming from you. I'm not just saying that. Like, you, you really do. That's why I'm saying people will be shocked when they're like, oh, wow, she went through all of that? Yeah. But that's what's going to make you so amazing at being 
this trauma and recovery coach because of what you've been through. Yeah. Truly, you're going to be amazing at it. Thank you. And the world does need you. Yeah. And you're going to help so many people. I mean, your journey's just beginning. I know that. Yeah. You know, which is really cool. Yeah. You know. It's my birthday tomorrow. I'm going to be is it? 36. Wow. Yeah, you're still oh a young pup. <laughs> yeah. You're still you're still young. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, um, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, yeah. if you're comfortable with this, yeah. you know, and they just want to ask you a question or if they got... They're going through a struggle or they have a daughter who might be struggling yeah. or whatever. Yeah. How, what would be the best way for them to touch base with you? So I have um, a website called WeRiseFromTheAshes.com. Mm. Um, on that website, there is a way to book like a 30-minute like consultation. Oh, cool. It's free. Um, it's, you know, anytime they want to book time to chat okay. with me. As of right now, it's, it's going to be free just oh, awesome. to be able to kind of yeah. – um, you know, have an avenue to talk or to yeah. chat or whatever. Okay. They can also email Beautiful. me at randy at we rise from the ashes.com. Um, either way, um, they're welcome to reach out to me. I have Beautiful. Instagram, but okay. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. No, very cool. Um, I, I challenge anyone though, who is, you know, maybe struggling or they were inspired by your words today to reach out to you. I will put this in all the show notes. Yeah. So the, once we go live, they'll have, they'll have links to all that for you as yeah. well. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, feel better just sitting here talking to you. Oh, well, Truly. Yeah. yeah. It's been fun. It feels good sometimes. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've done this twice before this uh-huh. <laughs> first time I did it. I, cried so much <laughs> right. i was like yeah. you you don't realize i think having these types of conversations and reliving these mm-hmm. scenarios you know or, yeah. or having those types of conversations how how hard they can be you mm-hmm. know initially yeah. at first oh yeah so this being my third one <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm not crying not so crying. i'm like, yeah. proud of myself <laughs> no you did great no you're yeah. very well spoken uh you can tell you come from the heart yeah and like like we said early on, you know, you're owning your story now, which is a beautiful thing. Thank you. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show yeah, and for spending some time today with us. And yeah. I know your words are going to make a big difference on someone who's hearing this right now. Yeah. And so thank you for your time today. Of course. Yeah, Thanks Randy Neal. You bet, Randy. <laughs> amazing story, guys. I told you this is going to blow your minds. Um, it's it's just amazing. People are amazing. Just people are just amazing to me. You know, I challenge every one of you, and you hear this, you hear me say this a lot. Not only listen to this, when you're done listening, if you know someone who you think may be struggling, I don't even care if you're you're not even sure, send them a link to this episode and have them listen to Randy's story because it'll inspire them that they can get through whatever difficulty they're going through. Because it does eventually get better. Um, but like you said so beautifully that it does get at times even harder at times, but you weren't, you were meant for more, like you said. So I love that. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, again, thanks to my sponsors. This wouldn't be possible without you. I love you guys so much. Um, and I'm just grateful for people like Randy who are out there overcoming some difficult things and rising above. Uh, what a beautiful name we rise from the ashes. How perfect that is for you yeah right so love you guys and uh till next time